I was very comfortable with who I was in high school very quickly. I became really comfortable with like who I was, how I wanted to treat people, how I wanted to be treated and stuff like that. Basically, everybody knew in high school that I played magic and I did not care. I think one of the biggest things though that I learned over the past like handful of years is the thing that I keep gravitating towards is the thing that I'm really enjoying doing. So focus on that more. Balance is a good thing and a general way to look at it. But I think over time you notice and you realize the things that you really enjoy doing more than the things that you don't. And if you can do the thing that you enjoy doing more than the thing that you don't, you'll probably do that thing more. You're listening to Humans of Magic with Cedric Phillips. Hello, what is up everybody and welcome to another episode of Humans of Magic, the show that gets up deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. As always, I'm your host, James Sue, And we are starting 2022 off with a bang, with none other than Cedric Phillips. Cedric is a prolific, prolific Magic personality, content creator, and owner of Colas Apparel where you can get some of the coolest, most kick-ass Magic the Gathering stuff to wear on the market today. In true Humans of Magic fashion, we're getting into the mindset of Cedric. Magic the game is the starting point, but it's all about the gathering. It's all about what Magic has enabled Cedric to do for a lot of his professional adult career. And I took the time to sit down with him and pick his brain about that. So If you're really into the business side of things, motivating yourself, being a force for positivity, then I think this is a conversation that you will really enjoy. Just want to let you know that I am very excited about Humans of Magic this year. I'm not 100% sure what are all the things we're going to do. I'm going to try to make it a little bit bigger than it was in 2021. And the first thing I would really like your help in is to help grow the social media presence. So if you have not subscribed to Humans and Magic on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, please take the time to do that. Please visit the humansofmagic.com website to check out previous episodes, find out about the book, and make sure to follow our Twitter account, at Humans of Magic. Like I said, I'm not 100% sure what I want to do this year. But your support means a lot. It's certainly nice to see some of the numbers go up. So if you can support Humans of Magic with a follow, subscribe, a review, anything you can do at all, I would really appreciate it. Speaking of appreciation, I would be completely, totally amiss if I did not mention the brand new intro and the brand new music that you're hearing throughout Humans of Magic and you will hear for the rest of the year. The music is brought to you by Kupla. Kupla is an amazing musician. And this month, January, he just dropped a new album called Mirage. So you can find Kupla's Mirage streaming everywhere. You can also pick up the limited edition vinyl that he's selling. To get those details, just basically follow Kupla. That's Kupla, K-U-P-L-A. Find him online, say hi, give him a follow. He's a great musician. 
and the music is simply amazing. So once again, please make sure you give Kupla the love that he deserves and for powering all the episodes of Humans of Magic. Thank you. Okay, intro is over. Please enjoy my conversation with Cedric Phillips. Cedric Phillips, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. A, uh, a very dreary and soon to be, I'm sure, rainy Seattle afternoon. I'm doing well. Okay, so you're back in Seattle because I understand you have been kind of back and forth between Seattle and perhaps another location or city? Yeah, and uh, Denver, Colorado and the surrounding suburbs. Uh, I'll be moving there uh, about two weeks from now, um, two, two-ish and a half weeks um, from now. Um, yeah, Seattle's my home for the past, this is crazy to say, but I think it's 11 years, well, I think it's actually 12 years now. 11 or 12 years, one of the two, but over a decade, Seattle's been my home and it is time to pack it on up and move somewhere else, at least temporarily. What's been the best thing about Seattle in the 11 or 12 years? Is there anything that stands out? I'm sure there's multiple things, but. So there's a lot of things that I really, really enjoy about the city. Um, I think, if I didn't narrow it down to one, which I don't technically need to do, uh, but if I need to narrow it down to one, the thing I like most about here is um, how green it is and how clean it is. Um, I grew up in the Midwest in Cleveland. It's very flat. Uh, it is very, um, I don't want to call the Midwest brown because that's not fair, I don't think. But I would describe Denver as brown if we ever come back to the Denver conversation. I would describe Denver as extremely brown, uh, which I don't think I'm great with, but I'll get, I'll get through it over time. Uh, but I really, I really enjoy how green and clean it is here in Seattle. That's the first thing and the biggest thing that stood out to me. I love, love, love driving around the city. Um, if I'm running errands or if I'm just moved for a drive to like, you know, sing songs with my windows down and enjoy the weather because uh, it doesn't rain here every single day like people think. Um, so those are the things that that's like the biggest thing I like about it. Now, you know, I like the people. I like the diversity. I like the opportunity. All of those things. I like the weather. Uh, even the rain doesn't really bother me at all. Um, but it is a really, really, really pretty city. And as I have traveled um, over the past decade for magic and everything else, uh, this is the place that I think is the most beautiful in the U.S. So that's why I like it. That's high praise. Yeah. That is very, I mean, okay. There's a couple of things here, but I think just for me, having grown up near Seattle and Vancouver, I'm used to a similar climate. And I do think the rain thing is terribly overblown. Like it started in the 90s with David Duchovny on the X-Files when it was filmed in Vancouver. He was always complaining all the time about the rain and supposedly that was really bad but I, I i just don't think the pacific northwest is all that terrible for that sort of thing and it just sort of drizzles right so it's not it's not that bad well you know different strokes for different folks i know the rain does bother some people and the and the the cloudiness and the grayness sometimes over the course of the winters, which I'm sure you're familiar with, does bother some people. I've met plenty of people who have moved here for tech jobs at Amazon or Boeing or Microsoft, what have you, who are from the Midwest or the East Coast. And, you know, they don't handle the Seattle winters all that well. Uh, I, being from the Midwest, you know, you think I maybe fall into that camp, but it has never bothered me. I, I absolutely love rain. I actually sleep to the sound of rain every single night. So rain doesn't actually bother me at all. Uh, and it's not snow. So yeah, the, everything about the Seattle climate, the amount that it rains, which again is overblown, as you mentioned, uh, none of that stuff has ever bothered me in my 11, 12-ish years of living here. 
Excellent. So you had mentioned Denver and uh, wanting to to settle down there now, and also the different shades of city colors. So I guess green, which is also what you're wearing right now, which is yes, which is fitting. And uh, and then Denver being brown. So what is Denver like? Because I've actually never never been there. I mean, I know a couple of people who are from there, including Patrick Sullivan. But I mean, is it a nice city? Like I, the only time I've ever seen Denver is like. When I'm watching Nuggets games, which is just a court, but um, yeah, 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 it's just a ball arena, so you're not yeah. seeing anything in particular What's that like? there. Uh, okay, so I was there over this past weekend. Flew on Friday, just flew home today, which is a Monday, uh, and had a rental car. So I was driving around, scouting out new places to live, and it all seemed it's so I don't have anything bad to say. Especially, I, I think it would be unfair to say something bad about Denver after being there for three days and probably five other visits over the course of my life. But comparing to Seattle, as far as just looking around, you know, what my eyes seeing, uh, it felt very industrial, which is a weird thing to say, I think. I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, it felt like it was sprawling. It felt big. It felt very, it felt, yeah, it felt big, I think I would say. Highways have a lot of lanes. There's a lot of just very big um, strip malls type setting kind of comes to mind, that sort of thing. Um I know that the city is being in the city, the city and the surrounding suburbs, as those who I had conversations with while I was there, you know, there's a lot of gentrification taking place in Denver right now. So I think the city might be lacking some of its character that it maybe previously had. And Seattle's guilty of this too. And I'm sure other large cities are that I'm not aware of are, are guilty of the gentrification that's taking place right now in the United States and other areas of the world. Uh, but the thing that stood out, me, stood out to me, the two things stood out to me the most. One, there's mountains. Mountains are cool like mountains you can kind of see mountains wherever you're going when you're like when you're driving around the highway and stuff so that's cool um you know rocky mountains blah 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 doesn't really surprise you um but it did at least when i was there and this was this is in january right so it was brown there wasn't that much snow but it's just brown um like seattle is and you know this because you're from the seattle vancouver area and you've been there like seattle is extremely green because of the rain because of the pine and everything and so I don't think I've really internalized that as much as I thought I did until like this weekend. And maybe Denver's abnormally brown. You know, mm-hmm. maybe this is just a place that is brown and maybe brown's not so bad. I don't know. Um, but I did notice that when I was there, I was like, wow, this is just not green like I'm used to. And green, green and blue have been my favorite colors. So naturally I'm enjoying Seattle and the, you know, the Seahawks are green and blue and um, the Kraken are like kind of bluish green as well, like teal vibes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll take some getting used to, I guess. That's my biggest complaint. I don't think it's much of one. Got it. So something that stands out about you already just from the past few minutes is just that you're very highly adaptable or you have a mindset in which you're willing to, I guess, number one is that you have a, the ability to observe these sorts of differences, which I don't think everyone is able to do and articulate it, especially. But also, it seems like, you know, going from Midwest to Pacific Northwest and now to Denver, it doesn't really, I guess the question here is that you've always struck me as like someone who's very, who knows what he wants. And I'm just wondering, like, how you make these decisions to just say, hey, heck, I'm going to, I'm going to do it now. It doesn't really matter where you are. If there's a huge role for you anywhere in the U.S., probably you would go in and seek it. So where does that come from? Well, I'm not afraid to take risks is a very broad way of kind of looking at things. Right. So um, I've 
probably told the story on a different medium. I don't know at this point, but um, back in my mid twenties, when I first moved out here with like no money, no job, no nothing, no, no plan. Um, you know, I was serving, I was serving at Red Robin in uh, Bellevue, Washington, rest in peace, no longer there, which makes me sad. Um, but the restaurant I was serving at, I was, I was serving like a lunch shift and an older, an older couple came in, uh, a gentleman and his wife, and they were just getting, getting a late lunch at Red Robin, Bellevue Square. And, uh, you know, just like, I think they were maybe my last table of the day or one of my last tables of the day on the lunch shift. And um, I don't know how we got into this conversation, but, you know, they were talking to me, I was talking to them, I had some time to kill, stuff like that. So, you know, conversation came up about, you know, like, you know, this guy is clearly, this gentleman I learned over the course of the conversation is extremely well off, has done very well for himself in Seattle and sort of stuff. And he told me, and he, and he said, uh, never pass up an opportunity for an opportunity. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted him to kind of explain what that meant uh, in some respects. And it was basically, you know, when there's an opportunity that can lead to another opportunity, you shouldn't pass it up. And you should kind of see what, when opportunities are present, where it takes you. And, um, you know, so I'm a big proponent of that, even though that, you know, that, that quote, that, that, fr that framing, that sentence, um, some people are like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it makes sense to me. Uh, just never passing up the opportunity for an opportunity and just kind of seeing what's out there and just making the choice to see how it's going to go. And then, you know, it's going to go how it's going to go. Right. So um, in like 20, I remember in, in 2018, uh, end of 2017, when I got offered a job uh, with Ultimate Guard and I was already working for Star City Games and, you know, like I was sitting, I was interviewing with the, with the CEO of the American branch of Ultimate Guard named Patrick Hildebrand, who I'm still friends with, really good guy. And I was, we were talking over coffee because I was sponsored by Ultimate Guard at the time, uh, individually. And we were talking over coffee because the, 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 uh, the president of Ultimate Guard, bigger company name is called HEO, H-E-O. Uh, but the president, Ulrich, he wanted me to sit down with Patrick and explain to him, like, what my role is as far as sponsorship is concerned and everything else, right? So we're sitting down, we're having coffee. I'm telling Patrick, like, here's my role. Here's what I do. You know, I'm really passionate about the products that, that, uh, that Ultimate Guard makes and all this other stuff, right? And I'm just kind of explaining, like, yeah, I give away products via my social media and stuff and helping to build your guys' brand, all this other stuff. And, you know, he's talking to me. He's like, you know, we do have really great benefits. I'm like, okay. You know, and he's like, our pay is competitive. I'm like, all right. And like, mind you, I'm kind of in like a shirt like I'm wearing right now and like sweatpants, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't realize in the moment that I'm being interviewed for a job, mm -hmm. right? So he's telling me like all these things and like my brain is just not really on that day. And like, it's kind of clicking on as we go. And I'm like, wait a minute, you already know I have a job. Are you offering me a job? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, uh, all right. I have to think about that because I'm pretty happy with my job as things currently stand, you know? And so- um, at that time in my life, I was actually thinking about moving back to Cleveland, um, because I didn't have a lot left for me here in Seattle. And then, you know, I'm being offered a job. Where I already have a job. And so I was like, I don't know, I kind of want to take this job, but I don't want to quit my current job. So I was just like, Hey, I have a job, but I'm interested in this job. Can I do both jobs? And he was just like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. You might want to talk to your current boss and see if it bothers him. Pete Hall playing and start some games. So I talked to him and I'm just like, hey, I have an opportunity. I'd like to pursue this opportunity. Don't really think there's much of a conflict of interest here. Do you have any problem with this? And he was just kind of like, do you think you can do both? Question mark. Because it's like two full-time jobs. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I can, but I want to try, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so 
that just kind of that kind of encapsulates the way that I look at it, which is just like, I don't know, there's opportunity out there. I don't really like to pass up on any. Um, I understand that you can't do everything, even though I try uh, for better or worse. And so that was one of those instances. I think the most pointed instance in my life of just like not passing something up and seeing how it goes. And I enjoyed my I enjoyed my two years at Ultimate Guard and just not really passing up on that opportunity and seeing where it took me and, you know, met more industry contacts, got more opportunities that way and things went how they went. So that's kind of the way that's a long winded, long form way of answering. Like, I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to gamble. I'm not afraid to take risks and take on opportunity and just see where it's going to take. Where do you think that came from? Is it somehow in your in your upbringing? Like, is it some sort of experience or experiences that you've had? dating back to when you were Cleveland? Does it have something to do with just Magic the Gathering or playing competitively, as I've heard you say many a time in the in your podcast? So like, where, where do you think that comes from? That's a really good question. And I, I really can't point back to something in particular. You know, my parents instilled a really, 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 um, really big work ethic in me uh, when I was growing up. So when I was growing up, um, every Saturday, my brother and I had to clean the entire house before we could go outside. So, you know, like we, we divvy up the responsibilities, right? So like, I'd have like the family room and the living room and he'd have like the kitchen. He'd like do the dishes. Uh, like he'd clean the entire kitchen. I'd clean like the family room, and the living room. Uh, he'd clean one of the bathrooms. I'd clean one of the other bathrooms. We both had to clean our bedrooms. And like, I'm not talking like, you know, pick up stuff and straighten up. I'm, I'm talking like every weekend we had to pledge the tables, glass plus the glass, sweep and mop. Um, if it's summer, if it's not winter in Cleveland, we had to mow the lawn, right? Everything starting like from when we woke up in order for us to be able to go out and like hang out with our friends for the day because it's Saturday, right? So you're off of elementary school, stuff like that. My mom was always just like, you guys, you guys, you guys know the rules. Or if you guys are good, you got to clean the whole house, right? Because my mom always wanted the house to be clean. She was a real stickler about like just having everything be clean, which has rubbed off to me in my personal life. Like I hate it when my, my place of living is dirty, but you know, different story, whatever. But I think, I think that, I think that um, was kind of the beginning of just hard work, work ethic, um, not afraid to do as much work as it takes that type of thing. Uh, you know, the opportunity in this instance was your opportunity is to, to go out and play, you know, video games with your friend or go play uh, sports with your friends and everything. But in order to do that, you have to do, you have to do X and Y and Z first and then go have a blast. Right. So there's that. Um, my primary job throughout high school, uh, I was working at a pizza place, uh, a pizzeria slash bar, and the manager uh, slash owner, Terry O'Malley, um, he was intense, <laughs> for lack of a better term. He was an, inten- <laughs> he was an intense right. dude about like, you got time to lean, you've got time to clean. You're always working. Like if you're on the clock, you're working, right? You're not standing around. You're not like talking with, you know, the other people in the restaurant, you know, like your coworkers and stuff and joking around, even though you're all in high school and that's what high school kids do. No, no, no. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And I actually took that pretty seriously um, because I really liked working when I was growing up. So uh, it was kind of like a, it was kind it was this weird like mantra and like I'm thinking about it right now. It's like, okay, would I run, would I run a pizzeria with high school kids like he did? Probably not because he was kind of an asshole. But, but did it instill like a gigantic amount of work ethic in me of like Friday nights, I would work the closing shift at the pizzeria from 5 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. I was the closer because they closed on Fridays and Saturdays at at 1 a.m. 
sure. I mean, that'll, that'll build some work ethic and some character as opposed to working from five until nine. Um, you know, I'm the one that like all the, all the rest of the, all the rest of the people that are working in the pizzeria, they all leave at 11 and it's, it's on me to close the restaurant from 11 until one, you know, so all orders, all deliveries, all orders from the bar, clean up the restaurant, close the restaurant, everything that was on me. And I'm, I'm 17. I'm doing this right. So I'm, I'm like managing people at 17 already. And then, you know, he had a lot of trust in me, um, which is great. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if that's how things would be run now or if anyone's running their restaurants or type of stuff like that now. Uh, I assume it's all legal, but, you know, I can't say for sure. Yeah. But I think that's also some of the things that, that kind of instilled this, this drive and work ethic and risk taking in me in some respect. So it sounds like you look back on your childhood relatively fondly at least this aspect of it just the discipline the work ethic the the blue collar jobs like in the restaurant industry and things like that so would you say that's true like you you're you're mostly positive on your past because i feel like a lot of people when they think when they talk about their past they're always i guess that has to do with the self-talk too like people generally are can be more negative about like oh yeah it was it was terrible back then but it sounds like you sort of enjoyed or at least you took the good parts with you in terms of your memory. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly it's mostly positive. I I am I'm very cognizant that I'm fortunate in where I grew up, how I grew up, the parents that I have, uh, and how they raised me. Um, growing up in Charlottesville, Ohio, and having a good game store to go to with a good owner, uh, and falling into this hobby. Um, the openness of the people that I met because I grew up in a primarily um, white suburb with like not very many black people. So that could have been extremely, extremely difficult. And I mean, there were some instances where it was, but I think by comparison, it was actually, by comparison, it was actually quite easy. And I'm quite fortunate in that regard. So I take away a lot of positives. I, I don't, I also don't care to take away many negatives from situations either. Uh, you know, it wasn't like it was all sunshine and rainbows. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I was a black kid in a white suburb who was listening to pop punk music at age 15. That's right. gonna weird some. That's gonna weird some people out. Like, what the fuck is your deal, man? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm 15. I don't know what my deal yeah. is. Yeah. Well, you like what you like, deal right? Is. Well, yeah, but you think you think you don't know for sure. That's right. Right. Yeah. Like, right. So, like, I have an older brother who's three years older than me, and my my older brother, you know, he loves. I mean, we are we are like direct opposites. You know, like he loves rap music as an example, and right. so I and my brother was a senior in high school, and I was a freshman, so everybody looked at me like oh, you're Sean's brother. So you're just like him. I'm like, I mean, I like playing video games and magic cards. I don't like doing any of the things he likes to do. You know, right. like we're really opposites in that regard. And so when you're 15 and you're in high school and you're a freshman and you're impressionable and you have this super cool older brother in high school, it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, my brother's listening to like Notorious B.I.G. and all these other people. And I'm like, yo, I want to listen to some something corporate and some yellow card and not get made fun of. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're... Again, my, I don't really have very many complaints about my upbringing and it definitely has the way that I was kind of brought up and raised and like my life experiences has definitely shaped who I am, which you can say about everybody. Um, but it's just, it's been an interesting kind of journey uh, to getting to the point that I've been at. And then now people see me as this person who's like very entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, excuse me, and willing to take a lot of risks and stuff like that. And I think that was kind of, uh, this 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 term I'm going to use beaten into me is it comes off as negative, but it was kind of just built and beaten into me. All, in some respects, my parents with the whole you can't go do anything until you do all this stuff first type thing, right? Because like yeah. I, I imagine a lot of kids on Saturday, it's like yo, it's the weekend, I'm going to go hang out with my friends for the weekend. I don't have to do anything. 
It was like, no, I have to clean up the entire house before I can leave. And I'm actually really happy about that. What was high school life like for you? I think you've touched on some aspects of it, but is it, it's high school in the U.S. too, right? It's, it's yeah, just yeah, called yeah. high school, like yeah. junior uh, higher high school. Like what, what so was I that had, experience I had like? ju- Junior yeah. high was seventh and eighth grade and high school is ninth through uh, like ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th. I'm going to ask about nine through 12, because I think that's when people generally are more formed as a person, <laughs> at least speaking from personal experience. Like what was, what was would, that like? I would agree. Yeah. So my high school experience was, um, it was, a, I'd say on the whole, a good one. I, and I don't know why or how this really came to be there. I don't think there's one like particular event I was very comfortable with who I was in high school very quickly. Like basically after my brother graduated and I was a sophomore, I became really comfortable with like who I was, how I wanted to treat people, how I wanted to be treated and stuff like that. And so here's what I mean. Basically everybody knew in high school that I played magic and I did not care. Cause like, it's the thing that made me the most happy. So there's plenty of stories of people that are just like, Hey, I, don't tell anyone I play, you know, it's nerdy, all this other shit. I just didn't care. So I was, I was popular in high school because I hung around with like the jocks and I was at like the cool kid table at lunch and stuff like that. And I was a jock because I, I wrestled in high school. I was just okay at it. But like, so I was kind of a jock, um, but I was also a nerd. Right. And so for me, and then I'm also, and then there's also this part of me that was just like, hey, I don't think I really am into like, the music that people would stereotypically put me into. I'm in like this other completely different area. Of like sure. You're not, punk. you're not in the box that people put you in. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, yeah. Like I'm not like the football player. I'm not the basketball player. I'm the wrestler who also loves playing magic and loves playing Warcraft three and other video games, right. but is also really comfortable with the fact that like, I really like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. And then also, um, like this pop punk music that is that my friend who was a year younger than me showed me he gave me like a yellow card something corporate newfound glory burn cd and he was like listen to this you might like it and i did like it and i'm like okay this shit is weird because no one would put me on liking this stuff right but i was but like for whatever reason and high school is such a different experience to everybody and high school is so it can be traumatic for a lot of people. You're trying to figure out, you know, who you are, what you like, all this other stuff. And kids can be horrible, mean to one another. And I just didn't fucking care. Mm-hmm. And that was, and I don't know, I can't trace that to like a specific thing. Example, Fridays, like I told you, I would, I would close the pizzeria. On Fridays, everyone goes to the football game. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to work because I like working. I like working at the pizzeria. I like working in restaurants. Uh, it's actually a thing in my life that I miss. But and everyone's like, you're going to go to the football game? I'm like, nah, I'm closing the pizza place. Like, you guys want to come say hi or whatever? Cool, I'm not going to give you free pizza because I can't do that. But if you want to say hi, sure, right? And then Saturday, people would like go out and, you know, do whatever high schoolers do, you know, go drink when they're 16 or go to some party or, you know, whatever the hell. And I would go to the local GameStop and play in the in the, week, the weekend, Saturday, $5 winter box tournament. And like, I wasn't secretive about this. People like, yo, you're going to come to the party? And I'm like, no. There's a box tournament. I like playing magic. So I'm going to go do that on Saturday. Right. And for whatever reason, I was very comfortable with this, which is why I am. People see me probably now as this person who's like super comfortable streaming and like 
you know, listening to whatever music I'm listening to. If I want to throw on the fucking Backstreet Boys or like Newfound Glory or Instinct or Justin Timberlake, I'm just gonna do that because I like that. Like that's not yeah. that. I just yeah. like to do it. Um, so like my high school years were just me being really comfortable with who I am and not really caring what anybody else thought. But also mixed with that was kind of the I'm weird. There's a lot of weird, like I'm weird. I'm sure there are other weird people. Sure. Right. So I'm not going to be mean to anybody. Right. Right. Because so like, you know, there's in high school, there's all these, there's all the clicks, right? There's the jocks, there's uh, the girls and like, you know, the, like the cute girls and like there's girls who like trying to find themselves and there's like the goths and also their stuff. And I was, I was like, going to say the goths. There's always the goths. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm like, there's like the goth group and everything. And like, whatever you're thinking, like you're, you might be thinking like the movie Mean Girls and all the clicks and all that other stuff. Right. Like all those clicks and everything. I was just nice to everyone. Cause like, why be a dick? Mm-hmm. you know so it's just kind of like i don't know you're kind of doing your thing with like your black makeup and stuff and like we might kind of like the, the same music you know like i some of those like they like metallica or like cold chamber or whoever the hell was like kind of big at the time I'm like yeah i kind of listen to that stuff too i know you wouldn't think i do but like i kind of do right? right and then there's the people who are like you know they want to be popular and all sort of stuff and it's just like i don't know just kind of be nice to everybody because why not yeah and that's just kind of who i was in high school so I mean, sure. Did I get made fun of in high school? Yeah, sure. I, I, I've been bullied. I've been made fun of. I was really fat until I started wrestling. So that okay. doesn't give you a leg up on anything. People are, it's easy to make fun of fat people. That's not hard. Um, but by and large, I, I, I leave, I left my high school experience mostly happy. I had friends in high school. I still have friends from high school. One of my best friends is actually still my best friend from high school. So it was mostly, it was mostly good. It was, but again, it, it was it was weird growing up as a as a black dude in all white community who listened to pop punk music, just and played Magic. It was weird. Yeah, I think it's there's something really interesting about your answer because one, it reminds me that you're just not someone who's that phased by peer pressure, right? It's like if you're at a pizzeria, yeah, like it's just something. It sounds like it's probably just innate within you. You just don't. You're just not going to do something because everybody's doing it just for the sake of doing it, right? That yeah. that's just something that I'm I'm sensing. And number two, you just innately understand that your tribe exists because a lot of us, when we go through growing up, we always think that, or I, sh- I shouldn't generalize too much, but I I feel like this is often the case that we're just all feeling like we're alone, and uh, you you somehow you have the confidence to know that. You know, there is a, a tribe of you out there that's really into wrestling and in sync and uh, magic. And you don't give a shit about, you know, if somebody doesn't like that, that's fine. And I, I guess I guess it's not so much like knowing other people like you are out there is the key. But just knowing that you are who you are, I think that's the key. And that's that's really profound, actually, because not a lot of people realize that until much later on in life, which is interesting. Yeah, I think I think it kind of takes time for a lot of people, which I totally understand and like I empathize with and I sympathize with and I understand that like it's not an easy experience for everyone. Everyone's life experience is so different, right? And so, you know, there's always the, the common saying like you don't know what someone's going through, so just be kind, which I definitely subscribe to. Now, don't get me wrong. And, you know, I'm sure there are people who listen to this that are just like, hey, you're kind of an asshole on Twitter. Yeah, I can be. But I'm only an asshole if someone's an asshole first, right? Okay. Like, so I only fire I only fire it up if someone fires at me first. I normally don't instigate or pick a fight, 
It's only when I attack that I'm like, okay, like if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna swing, if we want to throw blows, we can throw blows, sure. Um, but by and large, like I don't know, like my life is just especially now in this crazy world we're living in. But like you know, life is crazy. Life is just absolutely crazy, which is the biggest like it's the understatement of 2022. Like life is just absolutely wild and crazy. Everyone's life experience is so different. You're trying to figure out who you are and what you want to be on this limited amount of time that we have to do this whole thing. And we don't know what that time limit is. So I I don't think that there is one specific life event that just led me to go in high school or in college or in something and just go like, hey, just do the shit that makes you happy and don't care what anyone else thinks. Because that is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. And I definitely understand that. Uh, especially in this world that we are so connected and we all have social media and anyone can just leave a YouTube comment and say, you suck or anything else, right? Like anyone can do that on any, on literally anything on any platform and to just not care about that and bulldoze through that is not an easy thing or an easy skill to have. But for whatever reason, I'm just really comfortable and just frick, I just don't care. Yeah. It sounds like you're- care. It sounds like you're built for this. I mean, uh, this as in what you're doing now, because you've sort of always had thick skin, right? Like you've always been very focused on what you want to do, what you don't want to do. You have goals, you're ambitious, you know, taking on two gigs at the same time, things like that. And you having the thick skin is really important because I think a lot of people fall short of what they want to do because we're all creatures of society and it can get overbearing sometimes. At least I think so. No, I think I, I agree with that, but also, you know, it's not just, so while I have some of that built into me, I think it was, also, while I have some of that in me, I think it was also built in me in some respects from like my parents. Right. So I have yep. developed. Awesome, yeah, so I have two awesome parents who my mom and my dad have always accepted me for who I am at a very young age. Right. So it would be easy. And I still, I've never asked my parents this question, but I really want to. Maybe I'll do it the next time I see them. So, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old me, right? I'm in my room. I'm listening to Yellow Card and something corporate and, all, and like all of these just like, pardon my language, extremely white bands, right? Like I'm listening to this extremely white music, right? And my mom and my dad, my mom is from Cleveland. My dad is from Chicago. You know, my dad like regularly is just listening to The Temptations and Motown. And like Michael Jackson, all this stuff, right? And same with my mom, right? So they like the same music, right? And not to say that they don't like the music I listen to, but I imagine my dad's not throwing on a newfound glory CD anytime soon. So, <laughs> no. so like, I am, I always want to ask my parents the question of like, hey, so like when I was like 16, and I'm listening to this, again, pardon my language, it's extremely white music in my room. What were you guys thinking? Were you guys like, we lost him, he's gone, you know, yeah. like he plays magic. He plays video games. He listens to this shit music very loudly and we hate it. Why can't he just, why can't he just play football or play basketball and yeah. be out there with girls, ice school, other stuff. And it's like, I don't know. Cause I don't want to, uh-huh. this is what I like doing. It's super fun. And I'm sure there are people whose experiences that are male, female, white, black, you know, whatever gender, whatever race, right. That could have lived the exact same life I had. Their parents could have been like, get the fuck out of here with this shit throw mm-hmm. the CDs out, break the CDs. You're not playing video games and laws and this stuff. And I didn't have that. I had a mom and a dad who were just like, yeah, I mean, just this is what you like to do. Do what you like to do. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I get that aspect of things. Uh, as just far as like just a lot of support in that area. My friends, uh, like my core friend group, they've very much accepted me for who I am, which is just a weird dude. I think I'm just a, a I think 
by comparison, like I'm just kind of a weird dude who's into very particular things. Again, like music I listen to, the activities I enjoy, um, the way that I like to focus on work over basically anything else in my life. Okay, cool. So I've got support there from my closest friends, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, and then there's also like, you know, I have mentors who I listen to and uh, whose podcasts I listen to. I read a lot. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is someone who I quote a lot and talk about a lot on social media and like podcasts I listen to. Uh, and I try to take away a lot of a lot of positive thoughts and thinking and ways to approach life from people like that who are crushing it way more to a degree than I am, but also have a good message that I think is very impactful uh, with Gary V being probably one of, if not the most impactful person in my life over the past five years, as far as like being accountable and being yourself and being comfortable with that. Um, so that's been really, really helpful too. Um, I would say as far as kind of shaping this person I've become. What's your favorite Gary V quote? Uh, Maybe so there's the too I, many. It sounds like there's, there's, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. So the one that I have on my Twitter profile is accountability over everything, which I very much believe in. Um, that one briefly is basically, you know, he says a lot, when you start taking the blame for everything, your life gets a lot better and a lot more clear, which I totally agree with. So, you know, there's, there's a million circumstances in life that are out of your control. Right now we could be filming this. My internet could go out. Cool. Nothing. Mm -hmm. That's not my fault. I can't do anything about that. Right. But the things that you do have control over or accountability over, um, he says, be accountable, be accountability over everything, take account for it, you know, control things as best you can. And just you, once you start taking the blame for everything, your life gets a lot more clear as opposed to passing the blame off to, well, they didn't execute their job. Well, they didn't turn their stuff in on time, all this other stuff. It's like, well, could you have communicated better? Could you have, could you have talked to the person who's working you're waiting for to check in on them regularly and say, Hey, you know, you only have things on this time, you know, you're running a little behind, is everything okay? You know, all this other stuff, do you need an extension? Do you need help with something? Whatever, right? Uh, you've, I, I, I don't know if I would consider him to be a control figure or anything, but being accountable is, and that quote, accountability over everything, is a very big deal. But the one that resonates with me in this exact moment that he says a lot is, uh, you can't read about push-ups, you have to do them. Uh, and that really has always been home with me of, you know, the best way to learn how to do push-ups is actually do fucking push-ups. Like do the work basically. Yeah. But yeah. But like, you know, you can read, you can read forever right. about like, Hey, this is the perfect way to make a Twitter account. You do this and you do that. And you do this and all this other stuff. And then you never execute on it. Right. You read about doing it, but you never execute on it. And then, but the best way to learn how to do something is to just do it and fail. Right. right? And then that's how you learn what to do and what not to do. Example, I have an apparel company. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing because why would I? I've never run one before. Mm -hmm. I had an idea with a friend, decided to start one. And he's, he knows a lot about um, like purchasing and ordering apparel and getting it printed and stuff. Um, but like, this was just an idea that we had. I'm just like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't have, I don't know how to get a business license. I don't know how, where the funding is going to come from. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to make a website for this sort of thing, but you figure it out right? You make your mistakes along the way with pricing, with quantities, with how we're going to ship and everything else and you learn. Uh, and so that's exactly what he means when he says, you know, you can't read about push-ups. You just got to go do them. You know, you're going to get them wrong. You're going to have bad form. Over time, you're going to get better form. Over time, you're going to get stronger. So you go from doing 10 push-ups a day to 20 to 30 to 50 to 60, if that's what your goals are, right? That's one of the quotes that has stuck out, has stuck out to me the most from him, which is so simple in hindsight, but when it's put that way, it really hit home for that's great. And how do you balance doing versus planning 
because I often think that it's a spectrum, right? So you have to balance it. So there's often the risk of just being like danger, cool things, you know, new magic deck or new business venture, just, just go headfirst into it. How do you balance, you know, stepping back and trying to have a system? If, if you think that a system needs to be there. I mean, I don't. As far not, not I don't. See, I want to phrase this. As far as the system is concerned, it'd probably be helpful, I think. But I think it's different for everybody. Um, so as far as like, you know, balance is concerned, I know there's this term work-life balance. I don't really believe in that personally. For some people, cool. That's how you want to live your life. No, uh, no hate, do that thing. <clears throat> for me, it's just, you know, I just kind of figure it out. Um, some days I'll work on Coalesce for 16 hours. Some days I'll work on it for three. Um, some days I'll work on another venture I'm working on for a ton of hours. Some days I'll work on it for less. I think one of the biggest things though that I learned over the past like handful of years is the thing that I keep gravitating towards is the thing that I'm really enjoying doing. So focus on that more, right? So initially when I started the apparel company, I don't know, a couple hours a day, a couple hours a week, you know, um, cause I thought it was a kind of a cool idea, but I didn't really know where it was going to take us. And, you know, at that time, you know, I started Coalesce in 2019 while I was still working for Star City and Ultimate Car and doing all this coverage around the world. So it's like, dude, you can't really do all of this. Okay. But like, I want to see how it goes. I think it's a good idea and I don't want to put it on the back burner. <clears throat> and I certainly don't want like someone else to do it before me mm-hmm. because that, even though I can maybe do it better than them, I don't know for sure. And so I want to kind of be first to market in that regard. Okay, cool. So over time it became like, I don't know, I'm really enjoying doing this. And then it became like, oh, we're seeing some success here. People are really enjoying the stuff that we make, even though we don't have like a great plan or system in place. Me and my me and my partner, Christian Keith, um, you know, it's just like, I don't know, we made a cool shirt. Let's see how it goes. Okay, this shirt's selling pretty well. Margins aren't great, but like, I don't know, let's figure it out. Okay, people are really starting to enjoy this. Maybe we should put a little more time th- into this. Because also, he was my assistant at the time, but also had a full-time job as a server at a restaurant, right? So we're just kind of doing it, we're just kind of making it up as we go. Right. And so it's like, how do you want to try to balance this? I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's have a call at least once a week for an hour where we talk about things and make sure that we're on the same page. About everything. All right, cool. One call becomes, all right, we need to talk twice a week. Okay. All right. Now we need to open up. Now we need to have a Slack channel because us texting back and forth and calling, we're not going to, be able to keep up with everything in an organized manner. So now we got to get a Slack channel. Now the Slack channel has to have a bunch of threads and channels. Okay. Fine. Now, you know what we need, we need a graphic designer. We need to add to the Slack channel. Now they have to have responsibilities and I have to take that on. And as that was growing, I was realizing over time, like, you know, I'm not really enjoying the work I'm doing at Ultimate Guard right now, as much as I'm enjoying this thing mm-hmm. with Coalesce. And I'm not, I'm not enjoying everything that I'm doing at Star City to the degree that I'm enjoying the work that I'm doing with Coalesce and some of my personal stuff that I'm doing. I'm enjoying less, of, I'm enjoying the Coalesce stuff more as I'm getting feedback and I'm seeing numbers come in and I'm seeing that like the team that's working on it is enjoying it. So, you know, to answer your balance question, I think that balance is a good thing and a general way to look at it. But I think over time you notice and you realize the things that you really enjoy doing more than the things that you don't. And if you can do the thing that you enjoy doing more than the thing that you don't, you should probably do that thing more. So it's more like experimentation. Like basically let's try to have a series of pilots, right? It could be the ultimate guard journey. It could be coalesce. It could be, it seems like right now you're also doing more into streaming and let's, let's see what sticks. And then if something really resonates, then let's go all in or let's go deeper into it. Right. Like it's not, 
it's I think a lot of people get get stuck on the sort of like business plan on the page and never do it. And then you're sort of on the other extreme, which is like, let's do it. And uh, whatever seems to stick, let's let's do it. Let's go harder on it. Right. Yeah. So it's you know, you can you can take the approach, right, where like perfection is the enemy of getting started or whatever. I know that's a that's like a saying. It's not the exact quote, but, you know, like you can sit there the entire time and think about all the ways to do something. But like just just start, just do it and just see how it goes is definitely what I subscribe to. Just Yeah, we you know, it, it, again, I'm going to tie my experience back to coalesce. It's like we just made just had an idea for a shirt one day. I was like, I want to print this. How do we do this? Okay, cool. It might not sell. It may sell. I don't know. Okay. Sells okay. Okay, I have more ideas. Let's try. Again, might do well, might do poorly. Okay, did well. Cool. Let's see where this is going to go, right? And it's just, I don't know, just experiment. And I'm just not afraid to fail at all because I just don't care if I do. Like, I can... I can be at peace with it, right? I can I can take an objective look at things post-mortem and just go, ah, oh, that didn't work, <laughs> you know, and just be mm-hmm. totally fine with it. Like one of my favorite, one of my favorite things with running my own business with Colas, it's my it, it is legitimately my favorite thing. It's like I have an idea for a shirt that I want to do. And Christian is just like, I don't think that's a good idea. I just don't think it's gonna go well. I'm like, yeah, but I do. And like I want to see. So fuck it, I'm gonna do it. He's like, all right. And then like, you know, do a shirt. And then like it just doesn't sell at all. I'm just like, man, that sucks. You know? But also just being totally fine with it, right? And 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 the and the flip happens too. So Christian, who's got a brilliant mind for ideas for shirts, uh, and just like he's a he's really connected in like shoes and shirts, uh, and just like kind of niche apparel from like streetwear brands, right? So he's like, I got my, I, I, um, 20, it was 2019 or 2020 when we did our, when we did our, uh, our Woobro shirt, which is playoff of Wu-Tang. Mm-hmm. Actually one of my favorite stories too. So I'm driving from Roanoke to DC for something. I don't remember what, I think maybe you'll see one of my trends, but maybe it's for a show. I'm driving in a rental. Christian calls. He's like, I have an idea for a shirt. I'm like, okay. He's like, you know, the, you know, Woobro, uh, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang clan. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you know, that logo. I'm like, okay. He sends me a picture of it. And he's like, take that and change it to Woobro. I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I'm not a Wu-Tang Clan fan. I don't listen to, like, any of their music. So, like, I can understand why it's cool conceptually, but I'm just like, I don't know how many Wu-Tang Clan fans there are in the Magic community. Because, like, it doesn't resonate with me. And he's like, I think this is going to be awesome. So then, and if anyone who's listening to this, including James, you, you as well, like, if you're familiar with the Wu-Tang Clan logo, I'm like, what do you want to do about like the bird on the shirt? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like there's a giant bird or whatever. He's like, that's a W. And I'm like, okay, I'm really stupid. Okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) I had no idea that was a W. I thought that was like a bird. He's like, no, that's just a W, man. We're just going to leave that. I'm like, okay. Okay. I'm like, I don't know how well this shirt is going to do, but you believe in it. So let's just do it. I trust you. If it fails, I'm not going to hold it against you. It's fine. Failure is part of learning. So it's our best-selling shirt by far. It's not even close. We can't keep it in stock. We consistently have to reorder it. Great. So that was fun for me because like, it's an idea that he has that I'm not even sure about. I'm like, I, this could, but like, if he's wrong, I don't really care. And that's an interesting spot to be in, right? Because it's like, it's my money. I have a limited amount of it. 
I'm taking a gamble here with like trusting in you that you're right and that this is going to go well and it could go horribly and I will just be okay with it and we'll learn from it and we'll move on to the next thing. And that is so fun to me. It is so fun to me. I think it's part of the reason that people that, that play magic, they enjoy those who like enjoy building decks, right? Like you try out a new card, new card sucks. All right. Well, I was wrong about that one. Let's try another one until like you get to a good deck. Like that's really fun to me too, but like actually taking it in a business aspect and just going like, Hey, I'm going to try this shirt. Ah, that was an F, but that one was an A. Like that's really fun. How do you learn to, or maybe you've always done this from day one. How do you learn to trust your business partners to basically it's like a leap of faith, right? Like you said, it was your money. Uh, you were very staked in coalesce. And so obviously you know that nobody's always right hundred percent of the time. You're not right. hundred percent of the time. Christian is not right. hundred percent of the time, but how do you, how do you make that leap to decide, okay, I can trust this person with this decision because it's not always easy, right? No, it's not always easy. It's, it's far from easy. I think, I think step one is, being totally fine with someone being wrong or yourself being wrong, right? Because if you're not, if you're not comfortable enough with yourself to know that you can be wrong, you're not going to be comfortable with other people being wrong who you're betting on, right? So step one is you got to be comfortable with just being wrong and failing, which I so very much am. And that's great, right? I've, and that, that took a long time for me in my twenties to be okay with. It's just like, Hey man, you're not going to be right all the time. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know if for myself personally, my, my personal experience there was like in my, in my third year of college, I went through like whatever identity crisis you go through when you're in college, especially if you're intelligent where you're just like, everyone's so fucking stupid. This is so <laughs> annoying. Why like, am I here? And like you, yeah. yeah. It's like, why am I here? Everyone's so dumb. I don't need to be here. I'm the smartest person in the room. I can't so learn like, anything anyways here. Yes. So. Right. So it's just like, and, 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 you know, high school came super easy to me when I actually gave a shit and like all, all of my education before that was super easy. And then when I cared in college, I would get A's most of the time. I didn't care. I just wanted to play magic, whatever. Right. So like, I'm like 20, 21. I'm just like, yeah, I'm the smartest person pretty obviously. And then like, you realize that like, Hey, life is hard. You're going to fail. You're not the smartest person. There are a lot of other smart people. Actually, there's a lot of people who are smarter than you. So just, Take your ego down a couple notches. You don't know what you're. You don't know what you're doing. Okay, that's fine. And then you need to be comfortable and at peace with that. And then once you're comfortable at peace with that, in my opinion, you can be comfortable at peace with it with other people because you know, as far as the people that you know, I, I Christian, uh, my creative director Ray Dill, and a couple other people who who work with me, it's just like yeah, they all have good intentions. They're all very smart individuals in their area of the world. They all have ideas they want to take from idea to execution, like idea execute fruition, see how it goes. And are they going to bat a thousand? No, and neither am I. So if I'm not going to bat a thousand, I can't expect them to. So that makes it easy for me to just go, hey, come to me with a fleshed idea of why you think it's going to work. Okay, let's talk about it. Let me try to poke holes in it. I expect you to do the same thing to me. I want, I want you to feel like you're being heard. I want you to feel like, I want to feel like I'm being heard and we're having a good conversation. And then let's just see what happens. And not every idea that they have or I have is going gonna, is gonna to go from idea into execute to fruition and see how it goes. We might get to the execute part and go, nah, this idea sucks. We thought yeah. it was a good idea. Now we think it sucks now. Okay, that's fine. Um, and I know there are times where like, you know, Christian or Ray have come to me and like, hey, I think this deal is really going to work. And I'm like, I don't. And as much as I love you guys, I can't get, my, I can't get myself there to seeing people wanting to purchase this and, extend, and then 
using time and resources and money and everything else that we use to take an idea to fruition, I can't do it. And the good thing is, is I've built up a good enough relationship with those people uh, and, and what we built that it's just like, okay, they respect, they respect the no, and then we move forward. And I think, I think respect all the way around, you know, them respecting me, me respecting them makes the whole thing work. That's great. And uh, I'm going to assume that you're the person also who has probably the best market understanding of the Coalesce product, right? I mean, A, because you've been in magic for so long at different levels, including commentary, and B, because you just have a kind of a marketing orientation. I don't want to say background, but it just seems like marketing is something that fits naturally into what you do, like understanding the customer, not, not in some sort of like negative way, but just like you understand the customer base for Coalesce, the shirts, you know, who you're selling to. And uh, I'm just trying to figure out like, would you say that's one of your unfair advantages? Would you say that's just an advantage or how, how do you think about that? Because you, you can probably draw on like the market understanding as a big argument for, you know, this is right. This is going to work because whatever, or this is not going to work because of something else. Right. So market advantage or any type of terminology like that. So in order, in order to answer that question, you have to go back to the beginning, right? So how does the idea of Coalesce even start? Like 2019, when we started it, I was just like, hey, I have an idea for a shirt. That was our Attack You Alpha shirt. Because uh, one of my best friends that I grew up with would always say he's a graduate from Attack University. Attack a U. Okay, cool. That's fun. That's a fun thing to say. Maybe we can put it on a shirt, whatever. But realistically, in 2019, I was like, you know, it's really weird. There's like no good magic apparel. That's really weird. You know, you want to buy magic cards. There's a million places you can buy magic cards, right? Star City Games, Channel Fireball, uh, TCG Player, cool stuff, blah, blah, blah. A million places you can buy cards. Okay. Uh, if you want to buy sleeves, playmats, tank boxes, there's a million places you can do that. There's a million companies that make it. I was like, this is really weird that this game that has roughly, I don't know the exact number. I'm sure only Wizards of the Coast does. But let's just say roughly 40 million people who play okay you can't like buy a shirt somewhere really like you can't easily figure out where to buy magic pearl in the same way that you were just like right now i need 100 black sleeves right now cool we got like eight options you know we got dragon slew we got ultimate guard dragon shield ultimate guard uh game genic uh ultra pro like you can just go do that you can just type that in in the internet fling that into google and just boom you're inundated with options or like, I need a Tarmoglade. Great, gotcha. Million options, right? But like, if you're really passionate about magic and you, and you want to be able to show that you're passionate about magic, the best way for you to do that is like through your deck, through a play mat, maybe through particular deck boxes, right? But like, as far as something to wear, like if you think, if you think to yourself right now of like, where would I get magic pearl from? You actually have to like stop and think about it. Whereas I was, if I was just like, James, I need black sleeves, go. You would just go, yeah, there's like, I mean, how many do you want? Like, do you want them to be matte? Do you want them to be non-matte? Like, right, you can just rattle it off, right? But if, if, but like, you know, as of like two years ago, if you're just like, hey, I want like a cool magic shirt, I love magic. You just go, yeah, I mean, not really a lot of options there, which to me, frankly, is insane. That's insane. There's like, again, there's 40 million people roughly who play magic. And like, if one of those four million people are just like, yeah, I like want some magic barrel. It's just like, yeah, that sucks. Now, if you think about other things that are big, that are like hobbies, right? You think of like League of Legends, Valorant, um, 
I don't know if you want to take it even bigger, like the NBA or anything. It's just like, hey, I would like, I'm a big fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'd love to be able to get some LeBron. <laughs> I'd like to be able to get some LeBron James apparel. Could yeah. you imagine? Could you imagine if someone was like, hey, can I get a LeBron James shirt? And someone was like, yeah, I don't really know where to get that. I really can't help you there. Right. That would be fucking insane. Right. Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. never happen. And so to me, it was just like, this doesn't make sense that this isn't a thing. Right. So the marketing aspect of it literally just came down to that. It's like, I don't understand why this doesn't exist. This game mm-hmm. is too big to not have this thing. Now, if we dive into the marketing of everything, right. And, you know, do I have a marketing advantage because I've worked in magic for so long, did all the coverage, all this other stuff. You'd be surprised. Right. So I understand more than most like what's popular in magic. Now, a lot of people might look at me and just go, oh, like you understand what's, you know, you understand what's important for like a competitive aspect. It's like, well, yes, but I also understand that commander is the most played format magic. It also sells the most cards for magic. It behooves us and every other game store to focus on the, of the commander crowd, not the competitive crowd. You know, there was this weird thing that was going on last year in 20, it's 2022 now, 2021 and 2020, where people were like, no wait, competitive players buy more magic cards than commander players. That's, that's fucking insane. That's not true. It's never been true. It's not ever going to be true, mm-hmm. right? So you know, you need, so I know who you need to focus on, sure. But I'll give you a counterexample. Um, the Wooberg shirt, our, our Run the Jewels inspired shirt that we made. Christian's idea, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And Christian's like, these are definitely going to sell well. I'm like, I don't know if that's true, man. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. He's like, trust me. They're going to sell well. As long as we do them right, they're going to sell extremely well. Because again, he's a streetwear guy. Yes. He's into that kind of music. He, fo- you know, he follows, you know, streetwear brands that are big and small and everything in between. So Supreme, anti, uh, anti-social social club and, and stuff like that, which to right. me, I which don't you guys have, did a version yeah. of as well, which I, yeah, I'm yeah, guessing so, has yeah. done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So those have done well, right. We've done riffs off of that stuff. But like when he came with these ideas, I was just like, I don't own those or anything and so then you do your market research and you go to like the anti-social social club website and you just see that literally all of their SKUs are sold out you can't get them mm-hmm. and then if you want to get them on the, on the secondary market you know you have to pay 3x 4x all this other stuff same thing with supreme stuff and i'm just like okay like i trust you um so i mean let's do it even though i have no idea how it's going to go right but as far as like the marketing is concerned like i would never came up with that idea right i would have never known that that's a good place to go uh, it was market research or anything like that. Like I, I would have continuously focused on like, Hey, let's just do more stuff. That's like, Hey, we, it's very based on magic. Right. Yeah. Like, like the attack you shirt that we've done, or like our Ravnica university shirts that we've done. And he's like, nah, we gotta like branch out and do things other ways and stuff like that. And, um, so again, long winded way of answering your question is like, yeah, I understand magic really well because I've been neck deep in it for 20 years yeah. in a lot of different ways, but it doesn't mean I know everything. Right. And you have the humility to understand that you don't know everything. You need, yeah. you need a team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know everything. Again, like, again, the Wooberg shirt, which is my favorite story uh, of everything we've done, that would have never happened if it was just me, ever. Yeah. Ever would have happened. And it's our best selling shirt by far. Um, and it would have never happen. And the company wouldn't be where it is without that shirt. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, so it's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's fun yeah. to me. Yeah. And also I would say going back to your point number one about like, it's really hard to find something to wear that's magic related. I would also add, or in my perspective, it's not that it's so hard to find the thing to wear, but they all kind of sucked. 
I think the brilliance of Coalesce and like-minded products is that it's sort of more subtle because maybe I'm more into the social stigma more affected by it than you are. So it's like, I feel like I don't want to be like advertising, like I'm wearing a shirt that says like literally Magic the Gathering or the Deckmaster back. Yes. Maybe I'll get it, go as far as like wearing a shirt that has like the Frexia symbol because it's like more subtle. I, I like the Wooberg and I like, uh, I like what you guys have done because like you're sort of like low key signaling that you're a Magic player and you can have a conversation with someone who's also wearing you're like, oh yeah, I know that. That that's a really nice cool reference or the the Marilage or whatever it is, right? Like those are cool references, but I think traditionally stuff you wear that's magic related has been kind of dorky and just kind of sucks, right? So I think that's also something you guys have tapped into for like a more sophisticated audience, if you will. Yeah. So one a piece of feedback we get a lot, right? And like not throwing punches at anybody. This is just the reality of the situation. So uh, um you know, when we, when we did CFB Las Vegas last year in November, right? So a lot of people hadn't heard of our brand. Okay, cool. So we have a table set up. Just an eight, it's just an eight-foot table facing a bad part of the convention center, not the high traffic area, right? I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do. I hope it goes well, whatever, right? So people come by, people are walking by, and our shirts are all laid out. And people are like looking at them. This is a great feeling to have. But people are, people are looking at them, and they're just going like, okay, okay. And look, their eyes light up, and they're like, oh, I get it. I'm like... I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and then they start looking at more shirts and they're just like, oh, that's really fucking cool. That's like a joke on this thing or whatever, right? And they're like, oh, who drew this? And like Ray's there, our creative director. And he's like, that. Ah, I'm like, he draws everything. I can't do that. And like, people know me. But like, so like, I have that advantage of people like, they know me, they, they may trust me as like a person sure. or a brand or whatever. But like, you know, the other people who are there, Christian and Ray working with you, they don't know them, right? So yeah. they're like, you know, they're like, oh, dude, that's really cool. Who drew that? I'm like, you know, our creative director, Ray, he drew, he's drawn 90% of our stuff. And he's like, hey, how's it going? Whatever. And so now you can talk to the people about the designs, right? But people are looking at the stuff and they're just like, oh, that's so cool. And now they're interested in buying because like, you know, they're in on the joke, right? Whereas yeah. I'm not saying Teferi is not cool. That's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah. okay? Because I do think that Teferi is cool. And I do okay. think that like Renin 6 is cool and stuff, right? Like yeah. I think... I think objectively within within the game, those things are cool. But like, do I want to wear a shirt out with like Teferi in his like magical pose, like to a <laughs> non-game store? Not really. And I'm super comfortable with who I am. Like, as I've established earlier, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about. Mm -hmm. So like if I want to wear that shirt, I will. But I understand that I but, but also, I understand that I'm not everybody, right? Because there's a million stories of everyone being like, don't tell you when I play Magic. Don't, uh, don't tell you, right? So there's a million people that are like that, which again, totally fine with and respect. You know, yep. your comfort level of your hobbies is what it is, okay. But like, there's also, there's also the feeling, right, of if you are out walking around doing whatever you're doing, you see a shirt that looks cool, and then like, you, like you, 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 you put the dots together, and you're like, oh, that's what that is. That's so fucking cool. And then you get to ask that person, where'd you get that shirt, Right? That is a feeling that like you cannot duplicate. I'm just like, that's cool. I don't know where you got that cool thing. And then the person on the other side of it is like, right, this shirt is fucking cool, right? And here's where I got it. And I'm glad you acknowledged how cool my thing is because I like doing cool stuff, yeah. right? And so that's where it works, where it's like, again, I'm not saying that Teferi and Planeswalkers aren't cool, but it's just really hard for me to see someone just going like, hey, right, Gideon, right? You get Gideon and someone being like, <laughs> Where'd you get that Gideon shirt? I love Gideon. Like that happens less in my right. opinion. Yeah. And so like, that's kind of our, 
I guess I'll use the term competitive advantage right. of like people really, people love magic. Yeah. Don't quit magic. We know that. They might take a break. They don't quit magic. They love magic. And the world that Wizards of the Coast and everyone else involved has built for magic is awesome, which is mm-hmm. why we all love playing the game for the myriad of reasons we love playing the game. It would be cool if people could represent magic in a way that doesn't make them not feel cool. Yeah. I know you're not saying it, but I'll say it, which is I don't find the magic planeswalkers or the characters particularly interesting to have on, on myself. And even the Funko Pop, you know, Ren and Six and Teferi, I've never bought any of them. Like, I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but it's just like, that's, I don't, I'm not into that stuff. Like, I want these things on my cardboard, but for like what I'm actually wearing, I want it to be a little more, more subtle. Like I said, I, I'll wear like a, I would, I don't have that shirt, but I would wear like a Frexian mana thing. Like, cause if that's, you know, I'd be more into that than like wearing like a representation of a, a planeswalker. But um, I guess that's just me. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, no, I mean, like, think about it. Right. So a, a perfect parallel I'll draw is to comic books. Right. So think about it. And this is, this, this would actually, I know this because of my dad, because my dad's a huge comic book player. He's a huge right. comic book nerd. He would hate that I called him a nerd, but he'll, He'll never listen. Well, maybe he'll listen to this. He'll get over it. So my dad growing up, he, my dad has like over 100,000 comic books. Okay. So he just collects comics and reads them. He goes to the comic store every week, gets his allotment of comics, and he loves comics, right? So if you think about the life of Marvel and the characters, right? So we have these movies, the TV shows and movies and countless failed attempts at trying to establish the Marvel universe, which now, as I'm saying this age 35, if you said that to someone who's 15, they would be like, that's not possible that Marvel wasn't popular or like that you were seen as a nerd for liking Spider-Man or Iron Man, but it was true, right? So think about it. The big, the big, the big one that kind of broke through is the, is the first Iron Man with Robert yes. Downey Jr., right? Yes. That breaks through. People are like, oh, this movie was really good. Robert Downey Jr. is really great as Iron Man. Okay, so now we're going to do like this entire universe and over time, like just bigger, bigger, first Avengers, second Avengers, Endgame, right? So everybody yeah. knows the trajectory, right? But it didn't, it didn't start that way. So what's the parallel to magic? Initially, you know, magic is still seen as a, if you were, I'll, I'll rewind. If you were a comic book, like someone who read comic books and cared about that, you are a nerd. You didn't tell people that you were into comic books, right? It's just like, oh, no, I just, you know, that's not a thing or I'm not going to go see the new Marvel movie. Now people, when a new Marvel movie comes out, that is the thing to do for the weekend. Right, that's the right? event, yeah. That is the thing, you know? Like I'll never forget just, this this is this is unbelievable to say like there are just videos on youtube of like people recording endgame on their phone and the reactions in the theater right yeah and you know it's one of the highest gross movies of all time now there's the new spider-man movie which is doing incredibly well but like Mm. this wasn't how life was 20 years ago if you were into spider-man or all this other stuff in spider-man cartoons or the comic books like you didn't really tell people or it was just like a hey uh, fellow nerds at the comic book store right this stuff's so cool right now it's fucking everyone loves this stuff yeah everyone kids all genders all races all colors all everything right. everyone's marvel centric now do i think magic's ever going to that point i don't know i'm not from the future can't predict it but would that be a goal i would strive for sure and i think they tried to do that some with establishing the planeswalkers and it hasn't really hit in the same way that like iron man's cool spider-man's cool thor is cool but like it was an attempt by yeah. hasbro which is the coast to do that um would I say they failed? Depending on what the goals and the metrics were, maybe. I can't say with absolute certainty. Right. But what I will say is that we have demonstrative proof now that, like, you want to slap Iron Man on a backpack? Do it. You don't need to make, like, some secret 
Iron Man shirt. Yes. You yes. know, that is just like, oh, hey, in on the joke with Iron Man and War Machine. No, yeah. you just slap those characters on things and people are buying. Yeah. Will magic get to that point? I don't know. We're, we're not there yet where you can slap like Teferi on a shirt or a backpack and people go like, hey, mom, I want Teferi. But maybe we will be at some point. I think, I think this cool. is a this is a great point because it hasn't hit that that point yet where you could just kind of shortcut to that. And I know this is a bit tangential, but I kind of grew up in, I don't want to say the same circumstances, but I was a comic book nerd. And I was like, people don't really understand. Like Marvel was almost going to just go under like before Iron Man, like it was not a, it was not a popular thing. And it, and then there's a, there's an alternate universe where Marvel just never had, all the success it did because Robert Downey Jr. was not, not doing that thing. Right. And uh, it's like the, 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 the margin between success and failure can be very small, especially in in hindsight. And um, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about this is like, I, I feel like this is something maybe, maybe you can help me with, which is, I feel like I've sort of overly intellectualized the rise of the, the Marvel thing, because I I'm sort of like the, the the hipster who was like i was really into the comic books and like the stuff before it became more mainstream and now that it's mainstream i'm sort of like why are people watching this this is like you're a hipster you're a, I'm hipster. a hipster yeah it's like i have like a black bolt graphic novel on my shelf and I, I bought it because i the writing was really awesome but i can't be bothered to like watch the latest marvel movie because it's just like doesn't have any stakes and i'm putting on like my i'm not a i'm not a screenwriter but it's just like I don't understand it anymore. Maybe I'm just like burned out on Marvel now, just like I am with Star Wars. Like, maybe you can help me like understand that or maybe like recapture the joy that I had. I mean, I I don't know. This is coming out of left field, but it's like, that's how I feel about Marvel now. It just seems so, so overblown and saturated, but. Well, well, it is because um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do my best Ross Merriman impersonation here. Capitalism, oh, okay. capitalism, blah, blah, blah. Capitalism, capitalism. Yeah, of course it's overblown. There's if there's infinite money to be made. So they're just gonna keep doing it now. Yeah. You know, before it was, and I'm not saying it's tactless now, yeah. but before, you know, when it was coming up, it started with the first Iron Man. Oh wow, that's so cool. They made like a good Iron Man. And it's like, oh man, I don't remember the I don't know the exact quote of the of the Marvel universe, right? But it's like, oh, okay, nice. They did like another one. Oh, nice, they do another one, right? So conceivably conceivably though this would never happen conceivably if we could have just ended things with endgame right it's even got the name ended we could have just said you know what great run great like 10 12 year run yeah we told this story over a bevy of films everybody made a shit ton of money yeah we all enjoyed it that's it i mean that's not gonna happen right because you know there's more spider-mans to be made and there's eternals and the second arc of all this other stuff but i can understand why you're not as passionate as enthused about it as you once were. I'm the same way. And those were all must-see films for me when they came out. Like I'm day one in the theater. And now I'm just kind of like Eternals just got on Disney Plus. I just watched it and I forgot that it existed. Yeah. I, I was just like, oh yeah, right. I didn't see that one in the theaters because I didn't really care. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think I think um I think it's interesting insofar as this is happening in magic right now too. How much is too much of a good thing? It's a very, very hard thing mm-hmm. to try and define, right? So in, in the magic, in the magic parlance, there's a secret layer product. Okay, so how many of these are we gonna do? Yeah. Right? Where it's too many. And it's like, well, I don't know. And I'm 
Full disclosure, complete transparency. I'm a big fan of Secret Lab products. Makes them a ton of money. Cool. Good mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Makes some cool products that people enjoy. Cool. Good for them. That's mm-hmm. win-win to me. Was their execution flawless on it? No. Did they improve their executions in some respects? Yes. But like the question now is, okay, so how much of this is too much until they do too many? You can say, I think you can ask the same question about the Marvel movies. How much until we're at the point where it's like, you know what? I don't really care about this anymore. This was fun. But now it's just not what it was. Yeah. Case in point, The Walking Dead. Oh, yes. I don't know what season we're on, but I know there's multiple spinoffs and the normal show is still going. Right. And, you know, like Rick Grimes, who was played by Andrew something. I can't remember his name. Um, he's long gone, you know? Oh, okay. I understand that, like, yeah, uh, maybe spoiler alert. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I've stopped watching after yeah, yeah. the fifth season. So I don't absolutely. know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, The Walking Dead, I was super into. Like, when I first started watching, I'm like, this is the fucking coolest show ever. Yeah. The first oh seasons God. were I great. Can't... Yeah. Like, the first, like, handful of seasons, it's like, it's awesome. It's fun. The world at large is like, I can't wait to see the next season. But then they just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And now, again, I don't know how many spinoff shows there are. And I don't know what season they're on. But, like, I'm never going to watch the show again. Because like I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you you compare that to a show like Breaking Bad, five seasons, and you know then they did you know what? Let's do El Camino. Don't need that, but they did it. And now mm-hmm. how did El Camino? How did El Camino? How was that um, digested? And how did people like it? They were just like I don't know. It's fine, but like nothing about Breaking Bad is fine. Breaking Bad rules. Right. You know, but they just felt like, oh, I guess there's some money to be made there. And, you know, we can wrap up this character. It's like, no, you didn't need to do that. Right. Like one of, one of the shows I absolutely love over the past uh, year, it's the Watchmen series that was on HBO. I don't know if you watched that or not. I think it's easily the best show I've watched in the last five years. It's not even, it's not even close. You know, you know what I love about that show? They're not making it anymore. Yes. It's, it's got a very definitive vision for what, story they wanted to tell uh-huh. just like you said with breaking bad in, in the five seasons el camino excluded like in and out right i know what i want to tell i'm here on the planet to tell the story i'm done i'm not going to drag it yep. on anymore yeah yep and they could very easily in this and, and i understand that marvel has a ton of characters a ton of stories they yeah. can tell and there's a ton of money to be made but like you can say the same thing i watch when i'm sure they could make another season or two or three or right. four if they right. wanted to but they were like nah we're good those are, those are some of my favorite things. So I know we're like off on a tangent here and I enjoy going off on tangents, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, Marvel, like I'm not burnt out on Marvel, but am I as passionate as I was when like, oh man, Iron Man 3 is coming out. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, like anything that was going on over the past decade leading into Infinity War and Endgame, I'm not. And I'm also not that surprised as well for the people who played those characters, you know, um, that they're not like hanging on to do it anymore right because it would be very easy for robert Downey jr to just go like i'll take as many iron iron man roles you can give me just mm-hmm. keep them coming right because it's just you're printing money people yeah. love the character people love him i'm going to assume he enjoyed it but it's like nah i don't know this is a good run and that's enough yeah i mean i'm not trying to be a total hater because i also think that there's room for good storytelling even within that machine because i remember like not watching a lot of marvel movies but i i because people really recommended it i watched into the spider-verse and it was amazing and i was like blown away 
and I think the new Spider-Man by by the sound of it is also very good. So I'm not really good. I'm not I'm not against like watching it if enough people recommend it. But I'm just saying I would never go just watch like a new Marvel movie just because. Um, but but again, that's sort of like the tension that I have personally. Maybe you have this as well. Is that just understanding that not everything is for everybody. It's sort of like the secret layer argument, right? Uh, it's not all made for you. Uh, I don't even know if like Wizards is the one who started that statement or it was just like, I don't know how that statement came about, but I realized that Marvel and Magic, not all Magic products are made for me. And it's very easy to be like too highbrow about life and just be like, yeah, this is like not crafted well. But I mean, I still enjoy a McDonald's every now and then. That's kind of like my pro-Marvel arguments so i'm not i'm not trying to be like too highbrow but i guess i'm sorry i don't know why i'm so i'm so long-winded today i usually don't talk so much in the interview you're uh, i talk a lot too you're fine i think i just have this ability to like just just try to adapt to the person i'm talking to sometimes not in a good way for me that is but okay let me try to put this into a question i'm gonna cut cut some parts of this out so the other thing that you've created that I'm re- I really, really enjoy is the receivables. And after, after talking to your partner in crime, Patrick Sullivan, it seems like the idea was mostly you, right? So I, I really want to like just spend a little bit of time on this podcast because number one, I know that it's continuing. So I'm very happy about that. Number two, you've sort of tapped into this market of magic listeners that's very unique, right? Because your show is like, game design it's shooting the shit with patrick regularly and telling your personal stories it's discussing upper deck like i'm always looking forward to like the upper deck (laughs) segments it's great and you guys just have really good chemistry and even though i don't know you or him all that well personally it just feels like the listener knows you guys now because it's like kind of like your life journey combined with all these things so Number one, I just want to say I really, I really enjoy the show. I think it's it's brilliant. Number two, like, how did you initially conceive of it? Because now having listened to a lot of episodes, I think it's I think it's really brilliant. Like, how did you how did you come up with it? Was it like a similar method to to coalesce, or you just like had an idea, like fuck it, let's do it? Or like, did you have to go through like a whole bunch of like pitch meetings with Pete and SCG? Like, how 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 did it? What, what was the origin story of the podcast? All right, so origin story here is less. Uh, <laughs> it's less, I can't say it's my own genius. Uh, I'm far, far from it in fact. So, uh, Bill Simmons, uh, I don't know if he's like the owner of the ringer. I think I he is the first grand land and then the, the ringer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if like CEO or owner, like, you know, I'm the president, major stake right in term. it. Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't know what the right term is, but okay. Bill Simmons, huge source of inspiration. Um, Enormous fan, love love his story, love his content, uh, love what he's done at the Ringer. Um, he bet on himself. Obviously, got uh, more. I'd say I'd say can from ESPN. Uh, had a lot of things and ideas that he basically felt that ESPN should be doing that they weren't doing in podcasting and content creation and stuff like that. Um, he is not afraid to shoot his mouth off, mouth off, which we are similar in that regard. So I'm a big fan of. Right. So one of the podcasts that's on the the, uh, the Ringer Podcast Network is the Rewatchables, in which they go over old movies and give them awards and go over them. But they've these movies have to be like at least like five or six, maybe even ten years old. Okay. Yeah. So I listen to this podcast somewhat regularly, and I think it's great. I'm, I'm not like a huge movie buff, but the, when they cover a movie that I've seen before, I'm very curious about like them basically doing a retrospective. 
Okay. Yes. So that is how the idea was conceived of. Rewatchables is one of the most popular podcasts in the world by one of my favorite content creators and individuals in the world. And I was like, I wonder how you can apply that to magic. Okay. So I thought about it for a while and I was like, okay, well, old sets are fun things to discuss. Not really anyone's doing that right now in any meaningful way. Okay, cool. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. Now, mm-hmm. the idea doesn't matter unless you can actually execute the idea. Yes. Everyone's got a million ideas, but if you can't execute it on it, it doesn't mean shit. So now how are we going to execute on it? Well, I know somebody who's really fun to talk to and shoot the shit with. Patrick, great. Patrick, here's my idea. Are you interested in this idea? Listen to an episode of the Rewatchables. Tell me what you think. Okay, so we start talking about a little bit. He thinks it's a good idea. I'll do the majority of the legwork and kind of outline like what I think it should be. And then mm-hmm. I'll pass it over to you. And you can tell me, you know, do you like this idea? You like, not, not like this idea, whatever, because I don't really mind doing the legwork. And I'm not saying that Patrick doesn't want to do the legwork. What I am saying is that Patrick is a busy individual who has three children and a wife yes. and a life. And I have none of those things. So I'm happy to take on the burden. And I also recognize, because I'm not uh, arrogant, in, I'm not arrogant or stupid in this regard. <laughs> Patrick is one, much more articulate than me. Two, has more life experience than me because he's four years older than me. Uh, maybe five, four or five years older than me. I can't remember at this point. Mm-hmm. And three, Patrick is funnier than me. So really, what I, I disagree, yeah, but. Okay, I'm okay. Good, for, good for you. I appreciate it, but Patrick <laughs> is funnier than me. So what I want to do and what I, what I wanted to do during my time of doing commentary with him and with anyone for what it's worth um, is, look, man, I can lay out the canvas for us to paint on in a very meaningful way. What I need you to do is paint. And also, I'm happy to hand a brush to you for you to be able to, get to further paint because... It's not about me. I know that the receivables is a podcast that people say that, you know, it's me and Patrick or the coverage on the SU tour is me and Patrick. It's not about me. I don't care. It's not about like my ego or my success or any of that stuff. I want to make a thing that I'm proud of that I think is good that can ultimately I can highlight or spotlight the people I'm doing it with more so than myself because it's not about me. So case in point, when I do coverage, when I, well, when I, I still do coverage technically, but you know, when I was doing coverage for Star City Games and stuff, and I would do it with somebody new, um, Craig Kremples, Jerry, uh, anybody who I'm with. And if they were, if they were nervous, I said, I would always tell them, if you ever get nervous, just make fun of me. And like, what do you mean? I'm just like, just make fun of me. It's not, first of all, it's not hard to do. And second of all, it'll just take the pressure off because we're just in here. Like this, this camera that's in front of you, that's just a piece of plastic. I understand that like people are watching home, but it's just a piece of fucking plastic. So don't think of it as a camera. Think of it as a piece of plastic. And you and me, we've known each other for probably a decade, person I'm next to. So just, you make fun of me when we're off camera. So just make fun of me on camera and just enjoy doing that. And I can take it because I don't take anything too seriously. And then the people, you know, they'll laugh, they'll enjoy it. You'll get more comfortable and then we'll be fine, right? right? So I look at like the receivables the same way in some respects. I know you're asking like, what is the genesis behind? The genesis of it is, it is the rewatchables, but it's a magic tape. Right. I look at it as a product for Patrick to be able to further shine because I think Patrick is great at a myriad of things. And I think that we work great together and we are real life, incredibly close friends. And it is a way for me to be able to shoot the shit with him in the midst of a pandemic where I don't get to see him 30 weekends a year. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. But at the end of the day, like I like making cool things with my friends that people enjoy. And if you, and if people enjoy it, cool. And if people don't enjoy it, also cool. That's fine. 
but that's what I look at the whole thing as. And the fact that people have really enjoyed what we've done there um, and how we're going to take it and kind of, we're, go- we're going to make it bigger and better uh, once I move to Denver, which I'm very excited about. But, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's been a fun thing to do. Uh, I very much have enjoyed it. But, you know, I, I don't look at it as a thing of just like, look how smart I am. Look at this awesome thing I made. Nah, it's a diff- it's it's a it's a it's a podcast that already exists that has a magic format. Right. Oh, it is. No, that's that's what I love about it, and not not trying to blow smoke up anyone's behind, but it's just sort of like I really feel that it's it's very well made, and it's I think a lot of it is the fact that it's clear that you guys enjoy doing it. I think that's a big part of it because a lot of podcasts I've listened to are all it, sometimes it feels like it's a job for people, and I think when you make it less of a job and more of a, a passion thing or the ability to catch up with Patrick, I, I think that that really shows like uh, it's, it, you can't really fake that. Uh, maybe there's some really crazy people in the world that can fake the enthusiasm and the joy, but I, I, I get the sense you guys really enjoy it. And that's, that's what, and you're building something that you enjoy doing, which is, which is key. You can't, you can't fake authenticity. It's one of the biggest things. Uh, it's, it's like a thing I stand by in the world. You can't fake authenticity. So one thing about me, for better or worse, as you're probably finding out now, but you probably already knew, is that I'm not even a little fake. You know, I am, I have no problem with someone calling me. There's, there's not really like an online Cedric persona and like the, no. the real life. It's the same person, right? No, I mean, yeah. I, I, the, 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 the way that I am in the booth or the way that I'm doing stuff is the way, is the, or like, you know, me streaming on Twitch. That's just who I am, right? Like, I, I you know, I, I don't swear when I'm in the booth because, you know, can't do that. But, you know, other than that, like, right. you know, this, this is who I am. Yeah. I, I, Paramore is my favorite band. I love basketball. The Cavs are my favorite team. Like all these things that people know about me uh, that I willingly don't have a problem with them knowing. Um, that's me being authentic. And I think that often you can't fake authenticity, you know, Patrick talking about like his kids and his wife and like the times where he's just like, yeah, I'm not doing the receivables if I'm not feeling it. You know, so people are like, hey, like you guys, you guys were off for a couple of weeks. And it's like, yeah, we don't feel like doing it. Deal with it, you know, because it would be easy to just go, yeah, let's just slaughter through the episode. But then it's not going to be as good. We're not going to be as happy with it, you know, everything else. So it's just like, yeah, we're going to do this when we feel like doing it. And when we feel like doing it, we're going to do it well. We're going to be authentic about it. You guys know us in our lives and everything else. And that kind of gives us, I'll say, an advantage over other things is because there it's, it's us just being completely real with one another and being real with the audience. And there's no way to fake authenticity. It's one of the biggest things that I, it's one of the biggest reasons that I feel like um, the magic pro league failed and some other things have failed as far as like, Hey, we need to ma- we need to make magic players into interesting personalities and stuff like that. Well, we never really gave them the opportunity to be authentic or they weren't comfortable being authentic. Right. What with me, what you see is what you get. I love professionals. I love the music I listen to. Yada, yada, yada. Every, anyone who's listening to this probably knows the, all that shit about me, right? Right. That's just who I am. And you know who people know who Patrick is and, you know, what he's into and what his life has looked like and everything else. And people appreciate and value it. They might not necessarily agree with all the decisions we make or our life experiences or stuff like that, but that's who we are. There's nothing fake about it. And I think that's what also is a thing that people enjoy about the coverage that we did over the past decade or the podcast that we are doing on again off again soon to be on again is that it that's just that's just who we are as people yeah so what are you looking forward to now now that you're going to move to denver and uh being closer to people like what 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 does the future look like for cedric that's a really good question uh and it's actually a really um i guess 
towards scary in some respects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the past uh, 2012, nine years at least, I've had a full-time job with Star City Games. I don't have any more, willingly. Um, I've been doing Magic the Gathering event coverage for the past nine, almost 10 years now. Uh, and there's not much of that to do anymore. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird um, to just have there be some uncertainty. But I like it. I like it. So um, a couple tangents here, because this is who I am as I answer questions. One, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, who I've mentioned earlier in this. He has said multiple times that you can find in, in his podcast or his YouTube videos or whatever. He was, he was like, I would not mind going from where he is now to zero just to do it all over again, just to restart. Because there would be a, a, a numerous people who would be thrilled that he failed. And then he'd like, and I'd love to just do it and rebuild and be successful again, just to one, tell those people, fuck you. But also secondly, just to prove to himself that he could do it. I feel that in some respect of just like, yeah, you know, like I was comfortable and now it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but that's okay. But also the most fun time in my life was back in 2012 when like I was making like $400 a month mm. and like not really sure how I was going to eat most weeks. And the two roommates that I was living with were just like, hey, don't worry about paying your rent. We know you'll figure things out. It's going to be okay. Um, it was fun. And I'm really looking forward to just like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. You know, like I'm streaming on Twitch right now. I'm going to be doing the receivables again. And, you know, we're going to have a Patreon and make it bigger and better than before and stuff like that. And, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of sports betting uh, in Colorado because it's legal there. Yeah. Um, and it's a really good place. It's, it's the best place in the United States to be doing sports betting. Okay. Maybe I do all well that. Maybe I fail. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But there's, um, there's a lot of comfort in not knowing and just knowing that I'm going to have to double down on hustling and figuring things out. That's fun for me. So I don't have a great answer for what's next. Like tangentially, it's like, yeah, I'll stream on Twitch and, you know, that's some amount of income. I don't really know how much, right? But like, I don't need that much to live off of. I guess I, I always forget this whenever I'm talking, whenever, ever anyone asks me this, I do this every time. I also have this apparel brand that's successful that I also have to focus on, right? right. So I always forget to mention that, even though it takes up a lot of my time because it is like very self-sustaining right now with the team I've put together. So I'm always like, right, that thing's doing really well. I didn't remember that. That's a big focus of my life, you know? But um, I don't know, man. I really don't know. And I really enjoy the fact that I don't know. Mm-hmm. It feels nice. It, and I know it's, it's also scary because like, I just gave up a really high paying job to just go, fuck it. I want to do something else. But I'm mm. really happy about it. That's, that's good. I think we often underestimate how important happiness happiness is and also just sort of I, I think I think you just have a great mindset just for like just just for keeping your options open right just just see what happens I don't know how much you believe in serendipity and just the universe coming together at in good ways for you but it's it, I, I think it's happening I, I for do. you in some way so no I I believe in that stuff and and I and I've always said I've always told people my friends people who ask me stuff like that I'm just like if you're not happy you need to change something you know, because life is short, um, especially, I, I think people realize that now more so now than ever before with the whole pandemic we're living through mm-hmm. and how so many things they enjoy, they've not been able to do. Uh, and they're probably taken for granted, myself included. But life is short. Uh, if you're talented and you're skilled and you, and you hustle, you'll figure it out. And, you know, is, does that mean I'm going to make as much money as I used to before? No, but that's also fine. That's also fine. Uh, I just care about being happy and doing things that I enjoy. And if people enjoy the things that I do, cool. And if they don't, 
again, also cool, but I'll figure it out. And, th- and there's, there's comfort in kind of knowing that. So just what you said just now about Gary V he wouldn't mind having to start from zero again. Cause I, I know he has a lot of haters and he, mm-hmm. he, you know, he has a lot of admirers most, and haters. The most successful people do. Exactly. Uh, divisive, right. Is the, is the word I'm a fan, but, but I understand people are divisive. So have you ever thought about what would it be like if Cedric Phillips just didn't do the magic stuff anymore? Like if you had to start from zero from a magic perspective, if your brand or what you're doing now has nothing to do with magic, would you be comfortable with that? Or do you think magic has become a big part of your online presence and, and brand? So it would be very hard to, to deviate from that. No, I think I'd be comfortable with that because I've, I have purposefully shared the parts of my life that are not magic um because one it's important to me but and two it just it makes me it makes me feel good to be authentic in who I am like I don't I know that people look at me as like the magic dude right I was the guy on the SE tour coverage and you know the face of like it's this is an insane thing to say but like people people saw me as like the face of magic and the face of Star City Games and it's like I don't know in some respects that's true but like that's a lot so you know, if that's what people see me as, okay, sure. But like, you know, again, that's a lot. Um, but people, again, people know that like, I love professional wrestling and I would love to work in the professional wrestling industry at some point. I love um, sports betting. I love basketball. I love baseball. And weirdly, I like football more than I did a year ago. Um, so I love sports and I would love to work in the sports field in some way. Um, ESPN, The Ringer, Bleacher Report, something like that. You mm-hmm. know, like, so if I were to just fully pull out of magic and say, Hey, it's been fun. I'm out. See everybody later. Um, I still, do I think my Twitter follows would go down from 30,000, like 10,000. I don't. Cause I think the people who follow me, like ideally they like me for me, not like, Hey, you're the dude who plays model white. I like that about you and nothing else. Um, I, I would hope that people like me for the person that I am uh, and mm-hmm. also the magic aspect of my life. But mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that's always been interesting to me is like, I kind of do, I kind of take inventory like once a month about like, okay, so why are you still in magic? Why are you still, why are you still hanging out here? And if if I'm being honest, there's a part of me that is just like, hey man, if you leave magic and it blows up even more than it already has before, you're going to be so mad. (laughs) So, you know, like in like 2017, like 2016, 2017, I was like, I'm kind of over this, kind of like bored about this. You know, like I still enjoy doing the covers of magic and stuff, but like, you know, where are we going? What's this looking like? And like, I'm not ever really going to work for Wizards of the Coast in a meaningful way, I don't think. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, I don't really have the, I don't really have the decision-making power of the sway here, but I have like Star City Games and stuff. And so, I don't know, maybe it's kind of, maybe it's just time to do something else, right? And then like, I'll take inventory and I'll be like, well, you know, if this thing like blows up like it did in like the early part of 2010, you're going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Because like yeah. you put all, all this, but again, I have no control over that. So I don't really, I don't actually know how mad I'm going to be, but like you put in all this time and effort and you traveled so much and you helped like in some respects indirectly help build this game to like mm-hmm. where it is going, even though you don't work for the parent company of Magic and everything, right? But you've helped like lay the foundation um, for like coverage and like, you know, also just being a black person in the community and making that yeah. more, acceptable, more acceptable and being open and being okay with who you are, right? So you've done a lot of things. I think, I think I've done a lot of things that are positive, which I'm proud of. Yes. And now just like if I leave now and it's like, well, there's a Netflix show and there's the movie 
and there's it's, like all it's these sort things. of like sort of like leaving an early stage startup and then after you leave it goes it just it gets huge ideas like, yeah and you're just like your, ah! your former colleagues become uh millionaires i'm not saying that happens in magic but just the analogy right yeah 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 right and so there's a part of me that is just like you know you're really i'm really near like the topper echelon of like the magic community as far as like people who know, like in the competitive magic community like people who know me and like yeah like respect whatever right that's all well and good but it's just like if i'm looking at like the venture of like hey man you've been in this thing for like 20 years what's the 21st and this is 21st year hey what's the 22nd you know like kind of waiting kind of not a little bit and i and for what it's worth i still like this stuff i still like doing commentary i still like magic is it way different than what it looked like a decade ago uh yeah so I don't like it nearly as much as I used to, but that also happens when you're a thing that you enjoy becomes your job. Yeah. Right. You're going to like it less than you originally did, but you're going to like it in different ways than you initially did. Sure. As well. So the comic book is now a movie and you know, it's not as cool as it was back then. And I'm just yeah. putting words in your mouth, but I, no, but I, I can see some analogies. Yeah. But it's true. Right. Like I, right now I enjoy playing magic tournaments at this stage of my life at 35, way more than I did when I was 25, way more. And in my early twenties, because my early twenties, the only thing I cared about was winning. I didn't care about it. I did not enjoy the games that I played unless I was winning them. Right. I didn't, none of that stuff. Right. So in my thirties, as I have worked in magic, I don't care about qualifying or winning or qualifying for a pro tour or winning a pro tour or a grand prix. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff now. That's all I cared about in my twenties. I actually enjoy playing turn magic, but here's, here's, here's the flip side of that. In my twenties, I was trying to make a name for myself as a competitive magic player. So I wanted people to recognize it. Like, yo, I'm super good at this. I'm one of the best in the world at this. And my numbers prove that. And that's why I'm qualified for every single thing. And I win a lot of tournaments now. And that was fun, right? Being somebody that was fun. Now in a magic tournament, one thing I can't get back and will never be able to get back is being anonymous in a magic tournament. That has its pros and cons. Yeah, I can't go to a Grand Prix or a Channel Fireball event or anything and just go like, yo, I'm just going to play my nine rounds and I'm going to go home. And nobody's going to play them. That's never going to happen. Right. There's positives and negatives to that, but that's one thing that's never going to happen again. We're like, if I'm thinking about like 19-year-old me or before, you know, like I started doing well in magic, it's like, yeah, I just got to go do this every weekend. And I get to hang out with my friends and it was cool and it was fun. And then I would go home and I look forward to doing it again. And now it's just like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're a stalwart in this community. So it's just never going to be the same again. And there are positives and negatives in that, but that's the reality of it. You can never get it back. What are the downsides of being a known magic personality or like just being a kind of famous magic celebrity, if you will? Famous quotes. <laughs> you are though. I'm not going to, I'm not taking that back. Like it's the pond is not the biggest pond in the world, but it's a, it's a, it's a sizable pond and you're one of the most famous people faces of the game. So what's that like? What's the downside? So the downside of it is in some respects, you kind of always have to be on in some respects, right? Because there are people, people will expect a certain thing of you, even though that might not be who you are. So as an example, people see me do coverage, people see me stream, right? They might think that that's who I am hundred percent of the time. Like this larger than life person, I would consider myself to be an extrovert introvert. I don't, I like when I'm on an airplane, I don't talk to anybody. That's been a mean like I'm quiet. I'm reserved. I'm listening to something. I'm, le- I'm listening to a podcast and I'm learning and listening to music and turning my brain off, whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. when I'm at a magic tournament for better or worse, the days I don't feel like the days that maybe I don't feel like being on in quotes, well, that's too bad. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be. Um, and that's nobody's fault. That's just the reality of the situation. Someone might come up to me and it might be the first time they've ever seen me and they, they adore the work that I do and the message that I, that I promote and everything else. And so they're super excited to meet me. And I can't be like, what do you want? You know, I can't do that. And I, understand, and, I, and I understand that. And I think that that's, that's part of what I've indirectly signed up for. Is that person's excited to meet me? I need to be excited to meet them. Um, now, is that like a downside? In some respects, because some days you just don't want to be on. Some days life sucks or you're tired or you just don't have it that day. And it's just like, ah, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Yes, mm-hmm. let's have this interaction. But look, I wouldn't be where I am today with my life being the way that it is without the, the people that have helped me along the way, be it the people I've worked for, my colleagues, or you know, the fans, for lack of a better term, or the people who like me and the, and the stuff that I do. So I'm cognizant of that. But that is, that is a downside, if I'm being honest, is you just have to be on the entire time. And I, and, I, and I look at that, I think to myself, I wonder what it's like to be like a real celebrity. And mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't yeah. envy them. Right. Yeah. So I, I think about it all the time. Like if I was uh, recognized, I, I just use LeBron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to the grocery store. It's just all I want to do. <laughs> you know, I just, there's no just, freaking way he's going to the no, grocery store. His people no, right? have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I look at it and like, I, I think of like my own personal interactions where like I've been recognized in the airport. I've been recognized in a grocery store before and right. it's humbling and it's cool. You know, like I, I went to a, a place here, a fried chicken place here in Seattle, Azell's, which you might be familiar with. Um, but people are from the Pacific Northwest and live in Seattle. Azell's. I went to Azell's one time last year, hungry, like normal person, went to go get some fried chicken. And this, <laughs> yeah. and this person's like, and I have my ma- I have mask on. And the dude's like, are you Cedric? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, I, I love like your magic stuff. It's so awesome. And I'm like, thanks. I didn't expect this interaction right now, but I appreciate it. That's really nice of you to yeah. say, right? And I'm just like, you know, maybe I what like, what if I was having a bad day or whatever? How do I react? I don't know. Right. But in that instance, great. And I just think of like what it's like to be like actually famous. And it's just like, yo, that's every moment of every day. Yeah. You're just like, hey, I want to go get some fried chicken. Like, best of luck. Yeah. Best of luck, man. Yeah. You're just going to get bombarded the entire time. But it's like, hey, that's that's part of your life now. Yeah. So um, but the other downsides, I, I wouldn't really say they're there's not a ton. Um, you know, there, I guess in some respects, if I'm, if I'm drawing a, 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 this is a bit of a, it's kind of a stretch, but not really. So like, I'm thinking about Brian Braun doing right now um, and his experience in the MPL. Brian is a, someone I would consider to be a friend of mine, um, acquaintance at worst, um, friend at best. I think he's a really mm-hmm. good dude. Mm-hmm. And his experience in the MPL was terrible. You know, a lot of people, were, you know, just really mean to him. Not people in the MPL, but like, you know, people who, fans of the game, fans of competitive magic were just outwardly just un, un, unreasonable to him. Why was that? I, have, I didn't follow this. Uh, well, yeah, this it's, it's very, well, it's very much like, you know, how can you guys be in this and be so quiet about like all these terrible decisions that Wizards is making and why aren't you more vocal and, and, uh, and everything like that. Okay. And stuff like that. And right, and it's like, okay. well, it's not really their place. And also they're, some contractual reasons why they couldn't be and a sure. bunch of other stuff, right? But like, sure. you know, it's also it's also like to what end is he doing this, right? Like the dude ultimately just wants to play magic because he's good yeah. at it and he yeah. enjoys it. That's really all he wants to do. You know, he doesn't want to be this voice for the community that people are asking him or telling him he should be in some respects. And I know right now I'm speaking for Brian. I may be getting some of these things wrong, but this is this is my vantage point of his experience, right? 
And so I'm thinking about like myself and I am not afraid to tell anyone to go fuck off. So, you know, I just would have been like, hey, leave me the fuck alone, fuck off. You don't understand what's going on, stuff like that. And it made Brian, in my opinion, go from someone who loved magic to not really enjoying magic to also someone who barely even plays magic anymore. And that's a net loss for him and the community. Got it. Because Got it. he's awesome. He's a good person who's awesome at magic. And as someone who I would want to be an ambassador for the game, who no longer wants to do that stuff because of the negative experience that he had in the MPL and dealing with people who were passionate in quotes about that sort of thing. And that sucks. And there's a lot of people in the MPL and the rivals and stuff that had that experience, but that's what happens. Like when you're kind of like one of the best in the game and also a notable face in the game, it's like people have some expectations of you yeah. that may not be reasonable or justified. And that yeah. kind of sucks. That's definitely a theme I've, I've felt maybe not experienced directly, but it's just like anyone who's doing magic at a high level, whether it's you in the commentary booth or content or someone who's in the MPL, they have to really, really fucking love it to deal with all the other things that go with it. Because honestly speaking, the opportunity cost of magic is pretty high. Like BBD is a smart person. You're a smart person. There's a lot of smart people in magic. They could go do something else. And many of them have, but the people that stay on, are really doing it because they love it. And it's really disproportionate to the hate or the criticism that you get. So it's rather unfortunate, but I think it's sort of the way life is, right? You have to really want it yourself because nobody's going to get it for you. And uh, the backlash of armchair critics is just amazing. Like some days it just yeah. feels like Magic Pitter isn't real, but you, you know how it is. You know, you know how it no, is more course. than I've described it. So, of course. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, um, I was looking at the, so one place I never go or rarely go is Reddit. I just don't go on Reddit. I, it's not, it's not, there's not a positive to going on there. So I don't go it's, on there. It's a tough crowd though. Let's put yeah, it that way. I, don't, I, don't, I, I rarely ever go on there. I would say I go on Reddit, honestly, three or four times a year. Right. So when I announced that I was leaving Star City, you know, I get a lot of Twitter stuff and DMs and stuff and all the stuff I appreciate. Right. For whatever reason, my brain goes like, let's see what's going on on Reddit. Okay. So I go on Reddit and I, there's a thread about me and everything. It's like, okay, this should be good. Um, and it's mostly like positive. Get the popcorn, Cedric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it's like mostly positive. And I don't get, I'm not someone who gets too high on positive reinforcement. I'm someone who gets too low on negative reinforcement. You know, like I just like, these comments just are what they are. Because like, if you get addicted to the positive reinforcement, then, then the negative comments are just going to like ruin your day. And it's like, why would you let random person on the internet ruin your day? In the same way that why would you let random person make your day? It's just like, these are just comments that are individually in a silo. And I try to live my life as best I possibly can and not get addicted to the positive or get worn down by the negative. They really don't look at it. don't really care about it. So I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this Reddit thread and it's mostly positive stuff. And then I just see this one person who was like, yeah, you know, like we did a lot for coverage, but he's a shitty human. I'm like, whoo, nice. Let's go. Let's take a look at this. And the guys, and the person, someone responds and it's like, what do you mean? Or whatever. It's like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, I played this game against them once. We're like, he banishing lighted my creature and then like put his deck box in front of the banishing light. So like, I couldn't see it anymore. And then, you know, like yeah. at the end of the game, gave me the thing back and I had like a disenchant that I could have used to kill the banishing light, but he hid it from me. And I'm like, this is, wow, is this a lot? Yeah. This whole thing, right? Like this. That, that's peak Reddit right there. It's yeah, just it's like, like, it's like some non sequitur like from like 10 years ago. Like this yeah. never happened, first of all. But that's oh, irrelevant. Oh, okay. okay. The fact that this never happened. That is, is relevant though. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm like, okay, this never happened. But there's no way for me to go like, hey, you know what? I'm going to jump into the comments now and be like, oh, yeah? <laughs> when did that happen? Tell me exactly right. what happened. You're wrong. Why you? This is defamation. Why are you attacking me? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, this is yeah. this person's experience that didn't happen. But like, mm -hmm. I can't tell them that it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, there's no, you can't, the, the biggest, one of the biggest things I've taken away from like the past handful of years of like being famous in quotes, it's like, you just can't win. You just can't in, win. And like the, in like the social media stuff, you, there's no way to win. Right. Right. So if someone, there are ways to lose, but there's no way to win. There's a million ways to lose, but there's like no way to win. The best way to win is to do nothing, which I think a lot of people maybe have, have come to know and respond and like learn. And look, I can't help myself. Some there's just going to be a day. There's going to be the, the, an interaction where I'm just going to tell someone to go fuck off and it's just going to be what I need for the day and I'm at peace with that. But like, you can't wait if, if like, you know, there's a thing that happens to be like, yo, we're coming after you today. You're, you're the internet's main character. Best of luck. You know, it's just like, okay, cool. I can't respond and say, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. What you're saying is not true. Like you just can't fight that. But what you have to do is you just have to wait like 48 hours and then someone's, and then those people are attacking somebody else. Yep. And it'll be fine. Right. But when you're in the thick of it for those 24, 36, 40 hours, it sucks. Right. It sucks. And it makes you question like, why am I doing this in the first place? Yeah. Why am I, why am I doing this commentary? Why am I the content coordinator for this website? Why am I, you know, making this podcast and all this other stuff? Why am I doing this thing that I enjoy doing? If these people, persons or people, whatever, are just going to shit on me. Why am I doing this? And then, you know, disconnect from the internet for two days and it's like ah they're attacking somebody else over something that's not yeah, true there's some new drama yeah. yeah so you know there, there's the ups and downs of it definitely definitely i mean this is this is good perspective because it also means that i mean this this it all makes sense because i also think that when i look at what you're doing on social like you said you you might fight back if someone is like taking a swing at you that that's what you will do but you're not going and trying to like dunk on people randomly. And I, and it's just like, there's no, cause you understand what it's like to, to be like unfairly, I don't want to say accused, but like, I, I guess in that story where someone made it up, like, you know what it's like to, to be on the receiving end as someone who's a known person. So it, it also means you're not going to just like randomly dunk on somebody. Like I, I guess Twitter, everything is kind of off limits because uh, it's just, they should just rename Twitter to snark, snark.com. Like it, it's, it's really yeah. what it is, but it's kind of a sport, but I, I think you, you, you kind of stay above it. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I mostly try to, nobody's perfect. Um, you know, everybody has good days and bad days and stuff like that. And you know, would I say that I'm, that I've never dumped anyone? No, of course I have. I think everybody has in some respects, everybody is like maybe a little hyperbolic, but yeah, I, I've done something before or piled on and stuff like that. And I've been dunked on and piled on and stuff. And, you know, you know, you know how that feels. So, you know, you don't want it. You don't want that to happen to you. Or, you know, if, if this made you feel a certain way and you shouldn't do it to somebody else, that sort of thing. I, I do think personally, and I've had this conversation with some of my friends and stuff, but I do think that it is appropriate at times to tell someone to fuck off. I don't think that's, <laughs> yeah. I do not, I do not think that is a bad thing because in, in this world that we live in now, it is, it, there's this really weird thing, right? Where like someone will like, try to dunk on you or be mean to you, right? And then you tell them to fuck off. And they're like, you can't, you know, tag, tag, tag the place you work. You see this? Yeah. And it's just like, just... yeah, you were being an asshole. So they were an asshole back to you. And, right. and so, I, and I actually, um, you know, during my time at Star City, I know that for some of, you know, when, when I first got hired back in 2012 and stuff, and, you know, I know of 
was a lot more outspoken on Twitter then. And, you know, as I've gotten older, when I was working for someone too, I've gotten older and less uppity and whatever term I want to use there, you know, over time, the, the, the responses or maybe, maybe a jerk or whatever has definitely lessened over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I acknowledge that I, I was then and can be now a so. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've always enjoyed um, for working for Star City for the time that I was there is, you know, Pete would let me be me, you know, and would have my back a lot of instances. And to be fair to him as well, there were times where I was in the wrong and he was like, yo, man, you can't do that. And I'm like, okay, you're right. That's my bad. All right. Maybe a little too aggro there. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. But like, I think that's, I think that's like really important right now is there are times when people are just going to kind of come at you. And again, I very much describe to you, you don't know what someone's going through. The world is a crazy place right now, whatever. But at the same time, people will come at you with bad intentions with the idea of like, hey, I'm going to try to like get this person. Right. And they're going to like respond to me. And then I'm going to like try to like defame them or like fuck up their life, whatever, for whatever reasons they have. And then like you, they're like, you know, you respond to that person. You're like, hey, go fuck yourself. And they're like, oh yeah, I got you. And then, and then, the, and then the person, they tag your job or whatever, see what an asshole they are. And they're just like, nah, dude, you suck. Yeah. I think that's like, and I think there are times when that is important to just be like, hey, I understand that like I'm a public figure and you think that like a public figure should respond a certain way. Nah, I'm also still just a human being that's living life and has emotions. And there's going to be times where it's like, hey, you need to shut up. And I'm not afraid to tell you that. And then there are times later on where the person's like, hey, yeah, I was out of line. I'm really glad that you told me to shut the hell up because <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. And it's not every time, yeah. but like at the same time, I still have to live my life and be happy with who I am and be able to go to sleep at night thinking that like, I've done a good job. I'm happy with like the decisions I've made, whatever. And so I think that in some respects, like it, that's an important thing to not just sit there and feel like you just have to take it from somebody at random. And it's like, well, if I, if I respond back, then I might lose my job or something. It's like, no, nah, then you probably shouldn't be working in the first place or, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. To use the, the immortal words of a famous person. Uh, sometimes you need to give somebody a dose of uh shut up juicer i think that's what it's it's called yeah, right? like, yeah, you own medicine. yeah yeah i'm i'm being a little more being a little bit more blunt than you are but so yeah so cedric where can people find you on social at cedric a phillips on basically everything so twitter facebook which i don't really use very much instagram uh, cameo uh hold on actually i have to oh you're doing cameo videos, videos. okay yeah, i've done like two it's just kind of a thing that like Patrick and I thought would be fun to do. And then, you know, like yeah. we did it and it's fine. Uh, Twitch, which I do way more of now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a discord channel that's free to join. So mm-hmm. there's that. I'm looking at my link tree. Yeah, that's, that's, that's them. Cedric A. Phillips is where it's basically where you can find me for everything. And your link tree is, I think in your Twitter bio. So it is in my Twitter bio. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You've got, so I got you've everything. Got I got everything there, including my Spotify playlists and coalesce apparel design so yeah everything about me is there awesome so if i want to check out the latest paramore tracks i can also go to your playlist awesome hey, they're apparently recording a new album and i'm really happy about it <laughs> i i see that from your tweets i, I love really i love how i love the well-roundedness of your tweets uh so cedric thank you so much for your time today and uh have a great rest of the the evening where you are thank you appreciate it thanks for having me on Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Humans of Magic and visit our website, humansofmagic.com. We'll see you next time.